Good afternoon. It's good to be with you this morning. Merry Christmas. Hope you've received a blessing so far. If you weren't here last night for Chisholm Trail Academy's music program, you missed a blessing. It was great to, to have our academy here. And tonight, 6.30, elementary school, Keen Evans Elementary School is gonna be here for a program. There's so much going on this season, so please don't miss out. Please don't miss out. There's a lot of good music, music happening. And I gotta say thank you for uh, those of you that already contributed to the Christmas tree offering. We're so thankful to be able to kickstart this program. Uh, remember, $50,000 gets us in the door and the goal is close to $300,000. So you play a vital part of contributing your time, your talent, and your treasure towards the mission and ministry of the Keene Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'm excited to see what God continues to do. It was January 24, of this year. Rachel Bronson, PhD and President and CEO of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, gathered with her colleagues to reveal to the world what the doomsday clock had been set to. And she is with her colleagues there. She said this on that day, we're living in a time of unprecedented danger. And the doomsday clock time reflects that reality. 90 seconds to midnight is the closest the clock has ever been set to midnight. And it's a decision our experts do not take lightly. We urge leaders to explore all dialogue channels to their fullest ability to turn back the clock. Doomsday clock started in the 30s and the 40s, 1930, 1940. And it was a consortium of scientists and humanitarians gathered together to illustrate how close humanity is to impending destruction. And this year, the clock was set to 90 seconds to midnight. Midnight being the time that the bell tolls for humanity. And what was pervasive in the headlines at the time was the war between Russia and Ukraine. And as we've navigated this year, we know that that is not all the conflict that this world has had to offer in the previous 12 months. The 2023 report on conflicts, human rights, and peace from the School of Peace Culture at the Autonomous University of Barcelona in Spain reported that in 2022, there were 33 armed conflicts globally and 108 sociopolitical crises globally. Our world is filled with strife and turmoil. And in some ways, we didn't need to turn to the experts to tell us that, right? Those who gathered to present this report urged leaders, if we don't keep an eye on these 33 armed conflicts and 108 sociopolitical crises, we could have a global crisis on hand. Again, all before the war that's occurring right now between Israel and Hamas. It reminds me of the passage in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, where leaders stand up and say, peace, peace, but there is no peace. For all of human 
history. Spare for a couple of moments that our first parents had in the garden. All we have known is conflict and turmoil. There have been moments of peace, but no peace that has pervaded. Yet, in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the passage that we're looking at here in this Advent series, the angels proclaim, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. Last week, we looked at this passage and unpacked the phrase, glory to God in the highest. Today, we turn to the next four words, and on earth, peace. Could there be peace on this earth? Well, at the time of Jesus' birth, remember Caesar Augustus had found a way to bring peace to the Roman Empire that would last for about 200 years. Yet in the midst of that political peace, there is the Prince of Peace who is born the one who brings peace that this world has not seen before. Remember the prophet Isaiah, chapter nine, verses six and seven. It says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And verse seven, There'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The prince of peace has come. And remember, Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor fearful. So what is this peace that Jesus brings that the world does not give? Well, to understand this, we need to understand the distinction between a couple languages as it pertains to peace. So we'll put this up on the screen. You see peace, and on one side you see the Hebrew word shalom, and on the other you see the Greek word erene. All words meaning peace. When you look at the historical writings of the time of Caesar Augustus and the early time of Jesus, authors would use the word erene, peace, translated in English, to talk about a social, political kind of peace. A peace that a government could bring to a geographical area that would mean there would be no war, There'd be relatively no conflict and the people would abide in peace. But when the gospel writers pick up the word peace, they begin writing about it in the New Testament, starting with this Prince of Peace who was born in Luke chapter two, and peace being brought to the earth, they mean an entirely different kind of peace than the one Rome was experiencing at the time. At its core, They were referencing the Hebrew concept of shalom, which means wellness or completeness. Like how Reynold Sequeira puts it, Adventist theologian, faithful to the concept of shalom, the basic concept of peace in the New Testament is that of wholeness, 
wholeness in all dimensions of life, implying in tranquility, safety, well-being, welfare, health, contentment, success, comfort, integrity, harmony with God and his laws, etc., etc. Such a kind of peace is in direct relationship with the work of God in a man's life and in his world. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of peace that I want in my life. One of tranquility, of safety, of well-being, welfare, health, contentment, success, comfort, and integrity, where my life is in harmony with God and his ways. That is the essence of peace that Jesus brings to this world. And what the angels proclaim, peace is on earth. Because you see, peace is less about avoiding conflict and more about having everything as it should be. That it's not just, let me make sure that my life is together. No, everything is as it should be. The absence of war doesn't guarantee the presence of peace. And any of you that have been married for at least a day or have siblings know this to be true. That just because you're not fighting doesn't mean that there's peace. And on a more serious tone, in the battle and war going on in the Middle East currently, there were seven days of peace where a lot of good was done. A lot of humanitarian good was done. But yesterday, the bombing and the war began again. Just because war is absent, absent doesn't mean there is peace. Diane Chen, in her commentary, a New Covenant commentary on Luke, says this, this peace does not mean cessation or absence of war and strife, but reconciliation between God and those who receive by faith his gracious gift of salvation through Jesus. God's peace will have its ultimate expression when God's reign is manifested in the eschaton so that life in that blessed eternity will be characterized by perfect security, harmony, abundance, and health. The coming of the Messiah is the beginning of a journey with eternal peace at its destination. Next week, we'll explore further what peace between you and me looks like on a human-to-human level. But for today, we unpack further the story of a God sending peace to this earth in the form of a man to inaugurate a reign of peace that comes to its culmination at the return of our Savior. That's the peace that Jesus brings. It's one that we have hope for, for the future that we can receive in our hearts today that causes us to look forward into the future with gladness. It's what this season is all about, that peace would be here on this earth. And notice how Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we, that's you and me, have what? Peace. With who? God. Through whom? Lord Jesus Christ. By Jesus coming to this earth, being the Prince of Peace, you and I are at peace with God. Well, when did we fall out of peace? Well, 
Remember Adam and Eve? God creates a garden. He plants humanity in the middle of it. And Adam and Eve are enjoying peace where everything is as it should be. And a tempter whispers in their ears, you don't have everything you should have. You're not experiencing the true reality that you should be experiencing. God is keeping something from you. And the irony of it is that Adam and Eve already had everything they could possibly want, but they believed the lie that there could be more. And so they fall out of relationship with God. And it plunges the rest of human history into this world that is filled with sin, with conflict, and with strife. Go ahead and get your thank you card out for Adam and Eve, right? But the one that we should be thanking is Jesus. Because seeing the human condition, knowing that we would have the propensity to go towards sin, provided a way before we even fell into sin to make sure that we could still have peace with God. Because it's God's desire that humanity and God would be together in relationship. Jesus said, I'll take that on. I will take that on so that God and humanity can be at peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not just that we have peace with God through Jesus. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. We just spent a whole sermon series and a quarter studying this passage. For he himself is our what? A peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. He's talking specifically there about the divide between the Jews and the Gentiles. But notice this. Paul says, not only does Jesus provide peace, but Jesus himself is peace. Jesus is peace. So when the Prince of Peace comes to this earth, the angels can proclaim, yes, on earth peace, because peace has just moved into the neighborhood. Just set up his tent and dwelt among humanity. You see, peace is less about removing of something and more about the presence of a someone with a capital S. And because someone came, the Prince of Peace, you and I can experience life as it should be. The way things were supposed to be because of Jesus. Like how Malcolm Geit puts it in his poem, Christ among the refugees. He says, Christ stands with us and withstands where we are, his high commission as a refugee to pitch his tent in our humanity. Eugene Peterson says, Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Peace set up its home on earth. That the headquarters for peace, for everything that as it should be, was born here right on this earth. And in studying this passage this week, I came across a story. You may have, have, have read the book or, or seen a, a film or a video about it. But it's the story of Don and Carol Richardson who are serving as missionaries in Papua New Guinea among the Sawi people. And this group of people is known for their tribalism and for their cannibalism. Yep. Don and Carol feel a need to go to these people and tell them about Jesus. 
So they make their way in. Carol works in, in medicine, and Don is teaching them about Jesus, and they're able to help people with real needs. And as he begins to tell the story of Jesus to the Sawi people, he realizes that they're in some ways connecting with the wrong person in the story. Because he tells them about the story of how Judas betrayed Jesus and they cheer for Judas instead of Jesus. It's like, why, why, why is that? And he begins to unpack what made that group tick, what was kind of at their ethos and at their culture. And to have the highest regard in the Sawi culture was to make someone to believe that you were their best friend and trusted confidant, and then to stab them in the back, to literally fatten you up in order to eat you. That was held as the highest place that you could have in society. No wonder they were cheering for Judas instead of Jesus. And Don is scratching his mind. He realized that he has to find a way to share the gospel that they will understand. And between these tribes in this area, there's ongoing strife, and it's becoming more and more difficult for, for Don and for Carol to serve. And so he pulls some of the leaders aside that, that he had grown in trust with, and he says, hey, in order for us to continue doing what we're doing, we've got to have some sort of peace. This conflict is making it hard for us to meet the needs of this community. A little bit of time passes, and Don and Carol wake up one day and realize there's a ceremony about to take place. All the tribes that were in conflict were coming together that day, and Don witnessed a child being brought forth from every tribe that would then be placed in the trust of another tribe. And this child would be called a peace child. Because as long as the welfare of that child being taken care of by another tribe, as long as that child was alive, there would be relative peace between the tribes. If something happened to that child, yep, then all bets were off. And he writes about how he sees a father who's someone in the prominence of the conflict, an enemy of another tribe, bringing his child forward and entrusting his child in care to his enemy. And Don says, I've got it. And he begins to tell the story to the Sawi people of a leader and a ruler who created a world. And that world betrayed him. Yet that leader and ruler did not want conflict between himself and that world. His desire was for peace. And so he sent his only peace child to that world so that there would be peace between him and the world. And that peace child is Jesus. And all of a sudden the light bulb went off for the Sawi people. And they realized through the telling of the story of a gospel analogy connected to their culture of the beauty and love that the father has for them right plucked out of their culture. And remember, as long as the peace child lived, there would be peace. And the same is true for you and me when it comes to Jesus, our peace child. We're studying Revelation this past week in Wednesday night Bible study. Jesus in Revelation chapter one is described as the living one. 
or the most alive one. And he holds the keys to death and to Hades. Jesus will never die again. And right now, he is seated on the throne with his father in heaven, which means humanity, the same blood that courses through your veins and my veins sits on the throne next to God. As God's promise, a peace child for this earth that you and I can be at peace with God because of what Jesus has done. And as long as Jesus lives, there will be peace. And that peace will last for an eternity. You see, Jesus was sent that we may experience peace with God. So my invitation for you today, in whatever you're facing, you need a little bit of peace? I know I do. Got a little conflict going on in your life? Invite the peace child to take up residence here. God has provided a way for you to experience peace, and it's through Jesus himself, the peace child. He's born on this earth as a baby, just like you and me. And as we accept the peace child, we are made right with God, and there's no strife or conflict between us and God. Because here's the reality. Jesus is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he'll do. And I invite you today to accept the peace child extended from God to us and let the reign of peace begin in your heart and let the peace of Christ rule there in your heart and in your mind forever and ever. Father, we long for that day that we will be free. We're thankful that that day of freedom can start today because the Prince of Peace is available to begin his rule and reign in our hearts even now. God, thank you for making a way that we could spend eternity with one another. And may we accept the peace child today. That baby born in a manger 2,000 years ago whose peace continues to reign in the hearts and minds of those who follow you. Lord, bless us today. May your peace become evident even now. Lord, we love you. We look forward to seeing you soon. In your name I pray, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Go today in grace and in peace.